Gamecock fans, this is going to sound a little overboard and a little crazy, but if Lenore Sellers lives up to his full potential, he could become Cam Newton 2.0. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for the latest headlines and potential storylines on South Carolina Gamecock Athletics. I am Andrew Lyon, the host of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, and you can find my written work over on Gamecocks Digest over on SI.com. Thank you so much for making the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast your first listen or watch here today. We are free and available both on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. When it comes to sports, We all like to do comparisons. It could be comparisons of star athletes. It could be comparisons between legendary coaches and, and especially the college ranks, comparisons between two different football programs. And on today's show, we're going to talk about a comparison that on the surface might sound a bit overzealous, but when diving into it fully, it actually could end up panning out. When looking at the skill sets of Lenore Sellers and Cam Newton, I think there's a chance that Lenore Sellers could become Cam Newton 2.0 here in college football. Now, I will admit this. This is certainly not the first time this has been thrown out there. There have been some people that have been hopping into the comments section, both on YouTube and some people that have messaged me on Twitter that have said that they see some Cam Newton in Lenore's cellar. So I just want to make that abundantly clear. I basically went back just to validate, and I have to say, I think the comparison rings true when looking at the film for both of these guys. There are a lot of similarities between both Lenore's cellars and Cam Newton. When comparing both of these guys heading into their freshman year of college, the first thing that sticks out is both of these guys' frames. Both of these guys are massive, big-bodied, long, and really muscular quarterbacks. They just have really big builds. But in terms of comparing both of these players, the overall frame advantage goes to Cam Newton slightly because at this point in his college career, Cam Newton was around six foot five and somewhere around 240 pounds. Lenore Sellers, as of right now, is listed at six foot three, 245 pounds. And by the way, speaking of measurables, stick around for later in the show where we'll dive into some of the other roster numbers of some of the other Gamecock players. But again, I get the edge here to Cam Newton simply because of the fact that he's got a couple of inches on Lenore Sellers. They're both around the same weight, and you are really splitting hairs here, but All in all, I mean, Cam Newton, he always had a tying presence on the football field. And so when it comes to, again, the overall frame between both guys, I give the slight edge to Cam Newton. Now, that is not the case when we talk about mobility. And when I talk about mobility here, I'm talking about basically a little bit of everything. I'm talking about agility. I'm talking about acceleration and just pure speed. Which guy has the best mobility on the football field? And when watching the high school film for both of these players, I give a slight edge to Lenore Sellers. Now, this is not meant to be a knock on Cam Newton because 
Cam Newton, for his size, was also pretty doggone fast. But in terms of acceleration and agility, Lenore Sellers, he gets to his second and third gear a little bit quicker than Cam Newton does. And when it comes to his agility, he just makes much faster, more sharper cuts than Cam Newton ever did. Now, again, that's not to say that Cam Newton just stumbled and bumbled his way to rushing for over 1,000 yards in his one season at Auburn and eventually over 70 rushing touchdowns in his NFL career. Clearly, Cam Newton could move for a man his size, and it's why he has the numbers that he has in the rushing department. But again, just talking about at this stage in both guys' football careers, heading into their first year of college football, I give the edge to Lenore Sellers, and that should be frightening for opposing defenses. But we're not done yet. Let's talk about the ability to break tackles. For the first time in this comparison, I think that it's dead even between both Cam Newton and Lenore Sellers. If we were talking about racking up yards after contact, there's a possibility that you would have to give that edge to Cam Newton because, again, this is a guy that because he was six foot five and 240, 235 pounds in his senior year of high school, um, yeah, it was not easy to bring Cam Newton down in the pocket. And when Cam Newton got a full head of steam, he could quite literally plow over any defender that he was going up against. And again, kind of like I mentioned with the last component in mobility, that's not meant to be a knock on Lenore Sellers. You watch his huddle highlights from his senior season at South Florence High School. It is very clear and evident Lenore Sellers, he could do the exact same thing. And in a lot of cases, his extra gear that he has when it comes to his speed and acceleration helps him out a good bit. But both of these guys, I mean, the body dexterity that they possess, it's just beyond incredible. Again, especially when you consider the fact that they're both giants at the quarterback position. These are two unicorns in terms of their size. You don't see very many guys that carry that kind of height and that kind of weight and still be able to run the way that both of these guys could at this point in their football careers. So I, I watched plenty of film in terms of what they could do running the football, and I just could not give the edge to either guy. So a dead even split here when it comes to the ability to break tackles. Now, I will say this, Cam Newton's film from his senior year of high school football, while I was able to find about five or six minutes of solid film, it wasn't like the quality was very good. A lot of the footage was gotten from the sidelines, nothing really from up top near the press box like Huddle usually has. And at this point, I'm going to assume Huddle did not exist probably around the year 2006, which was the year that Cam Newton played his senior season of high school football at Westlake over in the state of Georgia. So because of that, I couldn't really compare velocity, and I could not compare arm strength between both of these guys. However, there is one trait that I'm willing to take a stand on when comparing both of these players, and that is the ability to put touch on their passes. At this point in their careers... I'd give the edge to Lenore Sellers, and it's not a slight edge either. Now, part of this is because both of these guys played in different offenses in high school. In Cam Newton's senior season at Westlake High School in Georgia, Cam Newton played in what I consider to be an option offense. There was a lot of load option, a lot of 
running plays that were called for him in the backfield. There was not really a whole lot of downfield shot plays that were being utilized with him back there at the quarterback position. And quite honestly, I don't think I ever saw him throw football like beyond 30, 35 yards in any of the highlights that I was able to find. So that's not, of course, to say that Cam Newton could not put some touch on some of his passes. He did a good job throwing the football on the run. But again, in terms of just sitting there, planting your feet, and being able to drop it right there in the breadbasket, I just could not find a whole lot to go off of. But because of the offense he did play in, I can assume that, therefore, Lenore Sellers, he is much better in this aspect at this point in his career. Because Lenore Sellers, he played in a more spread out type of offense. He played in an offense where his coach let him sit back there and just throw bombs all night long when he was playing for South Florence this past fall. And I can promise you, again, if you go back and you watch Lenore Sellers' senior season highlights, there's a lot of passes where he is throwing the football and his receiver does not have to contort, doesn't have to go back to the football, doesn't have to really do anything besides just keep running their route, stick out their hands, and just wait for the football to hit their hands. That happened a ton with what I watched. So when it comes to this aspect of their game, I get the edge to Lenore's Sellers. So all in all, both of these guys, very similar quarterbacks, and both of them hold the edge in certain areas. But right now, just by a smidge, I think that Lenore Sellers is a better quarterback than Cam Newton at this point in his football career. One quick disclaimer before we move on, though. I'm not sitting here and saying that Lenore Sellers is going to be as accomplished as Cam Newton by the time his college career is done. Clearly, Cam Newton did a ton in his college career. Yes, the beginning did not go over so well. Yes, there was the whole computer incident at the University of Florida. He eventually wound up landing at Auburn in 2010, and we all know what happened that year. One of the most historic seasons that a quarterback has ever had in terms of what all he accomplished, the awards that he racked up, etc., but in terms of size and overall talent, Lenore Sellers is extremely reminiscent of Cam Newton. And that should terrify every single opponent that's got to face South Carolina over the next two, three, four years or so. Because Lenore Sellers is also, in my opinion, a better passer right now at this point in his career compared to Cam Newton. So again, really, really strong similarities here. But I think Lenore Sellers is the better quarterback at this point than Cam Newton. And therefore, I think he's got the potential to beat Cam Newton 2.0 at South Carolina. Is that going to win you maybe a national title? Who knows? But if South Carolina gets that out of Lenore Sellers, then uh, Gamecock fans, it's going to be a real fun ride over the next couple of years without a doubt. Now, I've talked a lot about Lenore Sellers' size to start off this show, along with the rest of his skills that he possesses. But sticking with the size component, we're now going to look at the measurables for some of the other players on South Carolina's football team as the fall roster was released late Sunday night. I'm going to dive into some of my positive and also negative takeaways that I had from that roster release in just a couple of moments right here on Locked On Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Folks, we are a little bit into the second half of the MLB regular season, and right now, you can take your first swing at betting Major League Baseball games 
on FanDuel, and you'll get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That means that if you just bet 20 bucks right now, you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. The Atlanta Braves, I've talked about them a lot on this show. They have been phenomenal. They still have the best odds, according to FanDuel, to win the World Series. If you think the Braves are going to win the title when all is said and done, then feel free to sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel is the official betting partner of Major League Baseball. Welcome back to this Monday edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast. We cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day in just 30 minutes. And thank you once again to all of you every day for making the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast your daily choice for South Carolina Gamecock sports coverage. South Carolina's fall roster was released late on Sunday night, which means that we got some new weight numbers for all of the Gamecocks that are on the roster. And so what I did was I took the spring football roster and the newly released fall football roster and did a quick comparison between the two to find any sort of discrepancies, any changes for the weights for some of these guys. And there were a few noticeable takeaways that I had when all was said and done. So let's start off with a couple of positive takeaways here, beginning with to carry on Joyner. We have to start with him because for those of you who have yet to see the new roster numbers, to carry on Joyner, according to the spring football roster, he weighed 216 pounds back in the months of March and April. That's already, you know, a pretty decent frame for a guy like to carry on Joyner at an offensive skill position. However, to carry on, of course, he got moved over to running back for the spring. It seems like that's going to be his primary position this upcoming fall. And he is now listed 229 pounds. The man gained 13 pounds over the past three, four months. That is just nuts. We have a running back that is now just basically a biscuit shy of 230 pounds. To carry on Joyner, look, we talked about this plenty of times before, so I won't fully rehash all of this, but we don't know who the starting running back is going to be. You can make an argument for multiple guys. But the fact that carry on Joyner has had this much weight, and obviously we're assuming a really good weight here to his frame, it definitely seems like that to carry on Joyner, he has fully embraced this new role that he is going to have in South Carolina's offense, and he is putting in the work. And who knows, with that kind of dedication, you know, we'll have to wait and see how he looks in fall camp, how he's moving around the course and how he's doing against some of the opposing starting defenders that South Carolina's got on the roster. But right now, it sure does seem like that to carry on Joyner, he is making a case to be the starter for South Carolina at the running back position this upcoming fall. Now, another positive takeaway that I had was the upperclassmen in the offensive line unit because a lot of these guys have a lot more girth now that they're going to be taking with them onto the football field. Nick Gargiulo 
He finished the spring at 310 pounds, according to the roster. He is now listed at 327 pounds, gained 17 pounds this summer. Ja'Kai Moore could likely be South Carolina's starting left tackle because of the injury that Jalen Nichols suffered back in the spring game. He went from 305 pounds to 318 pounds this summer. Vershawn Lee, likely your starting center, went from 310 pounds to 319 pounds, gained 9 pounds overall. And then Sidney Fugar, who's going to be probably a death piece at the offensive tackle position this fall, he went from 315 pounds in the spring to now he's listed at 327 pounds, 12 pounds gained by Sidney Fugar. That is pretty good for your offensive line because, listen, that's not to say that, of course, if you're just automatically bigger, you're going to win all your matchups. But on an SEC offensive line, you got to have some size to you. You got to have a lot of beef, I guess, to go around. It's the best way to put it between all of your guys. And you look at this group Nick Gargiulo, he's going to be a starter. Ja'Kai Moore, very likely going to be a starter. Rashad Lee, probably going to be a starter. That's three of your starters right there that, from the looks of it, have put in a lot of work over the course of this summer. That is a very good sign for South Carolina's offensive line unit that has to find a way to get better and progress from what all they showed back in the spring. Now, before we move on to some of my negative takeaways, here's a couple where I honestly just don't know how to feel about it. And I'm going to start with one that might surprise y'all in terms of where I'm categorizing it in Nicholas Harper and his initial numbers. Because Nicholas Harper... Right now on this roster is currently listed at six foot five, two hundred and forty-one pounds. That's up sixteen pounds from what his recruiting profiles listed him at, which was two hundred and twenty-five pounds this previous recruiting cycle. Now, I know that there are some wide receivers that have played around this weight before, and I certainly know that this does not mean that he can't be successful at this position. Who knows? Maybe Nicholas Harper hasn't really lost any speed, or maybe he is maintaining everything that he had before he got up to 241. If that's the case, phenomenal. My thing is, I thought that he wanted to play wide receivers so that he would not have to gain as much weight. I figured that he would probably be playing at 230 max, maybe like 232, 233. Instead, he's 240 plus heading into the fall. And so... Again, like, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but I also don't know if I want to classify this as a good thing just yet. So again, I'm intrigued to see what Nicholas Harbour looks like when some of us from the media can go out there and see some of these guys in person during fall camp. But again, I just don't know exactly what to make of him weighing 241 pounds at this current moment. And then the next guy I want to highlight in this category, Muhammad Kaba. He's been recovering from a torn ACL that he suffered against Arkansas this past September. He missed all of spring practice. I would assume that he's either close to being back or maybe he is back with the team during workouts right now. But either way, the current roster has Mohamed Kaba listed at 253 pounds. That is up 18 pounds from where he was listed back in the spring. He was listed at 235 pounds back in March. Now he's 253. You do not see linebackers these days carrying 250 plus pounds. So my question is, is this good weight or is this bad weight? Because, again, we know Mohamed Kaba has been restricted in terms of what he's been able to do. We know he probably hasn't been able to do a whole lot of lower body stuff. 
It's probably been a lot of upper body. So unless Mohamed Kappa has just been getting after it with his upper body workouts recently, um, this admittedly concerns me a little bit. But again, I don't want to assume that it's all bad weight. So I'm just going to categorize this as I don't know how to feel for now. But for South Carolina, Mohamed Kappa, I mean, I guess you got to hope that this isn't bad weight. Because Mohamed Kappa is the guy you're going to rely on heavily in this linebacker rotation in 2023. Whether he's going to be starting or he's going to be in the second string. So, again, we'll see as time wears on. But um, I, I don't know how to feel about the fact Mohamed Kappa is right now listed at 250 plus pounds at that linebacker spot. Alrighty, now I've talked about some positive takeaways from this newly released fall roster and some takeaways where I just don't know how to feel about it exactly. Now let's dive into some negative takeaways. Starting off with this, while the offensive line position unit bulked up for the most part, the edge position is looking awfully lean and slim. Out of these six edge defenders that are currently on scholarship here with South Carolina, only two of these guys weigh more than 246 pounds. Terrell Dawkins currently weighs 251 pounds. That's actually down 9 pounds from where he was at during the spring. And then you have senior Tyree Johnson, who currently weighs 270 pounds, which is by far the most out of all the edge defenders. If you're wondering where all the other guys currently stand with their weight, here are the final numbers. Jordan Strawn and Jatias Gear, the Syracuse transfer the Gamecocks got this offseason. Both of these guys are listed at 243 pounds. Desmond Zulu, the true freshman that could play a big role in this rotation this upcoming fall, he is listed at 246 pounds. Brian Thomas Jr., who really flashed in the spring game, looks like a guy that could help out this year a little bit more. He is currently listed at 232 pounds, which is actually four pounds lower than where he was listed back in the spring. So, I'm not going to say this is a awful thing, but I got to say, when you face SEC offensive linemen, you're facing guys that are 300 plus pounds. And most of these guys from the jump are giving up almost 60 pounds immediately. And especially in rush defense, an area where South Carolina has struggled mightily these last couple years, if you're going to weigh 240-something pounds, your technique has got to be just about impeccable if you want to beat guys that weigh about 300, 310, or more. And I think that's maybe some of these guys, who knows, they could do that. But uh, otherwise, they're going to have to play really, really sound football if they're going to win the majority of their one-on-ones or if they're going to win enough of their one-on-ones. So this concerns me a good bit. We'll see if the edge defenders can add some weight before the season starts because right now, uh, th this definitely worries me without a doubt. Now let's move on to the cornerback position, sticking with the defensive side of the ball here because guess what? There's only one cornerback on this roster right now, one scholarship cornerback that weighs more than 200 pounds. That is D'Angelo Gibbs, who is listed currently at 225 pounds. And the thing is, D'Angelo Gibbs, um, he's probably right now the third string nickel corner on this football team. He's not even, I think, second string right now. Now, that could change, or maybe it has changed, but point being, he is not a starter. Marcel Style and David Spaulding are both listed at 195 pounds. That's not bad. O'Donnell Fortune, though, 
who is expected to be a starter at one of the outside corner positions. He is currently listed at 177 pounds. He lost some weight from this spring. Keaton Nelson Jr., he's 195 pounds. That's down 10 pounds from the spring. Emery Floyd, he's 181 pounds. That's down 11 pounds from the spring. Now, he does run track, so that's probably a decent reason why he maybe weighs less. But still, going to have to gain a little bit of weight back. Kawan Banks, he is up 14 pounds from the spring. He went from 173 to 187. So, good job on Kawan Banks gaining some weight that he desperately needed to gain and add to his frame. The reason I worry about the cornerbacks is, look, I'm not saying that all these guys got to be like right at or above 200 pounds. I'm not saying that. But the thing is, South Carolina loves to run their man coverage, which means they also sometimes like to run their press coverage. They love to put these guys on islands and just let them go one-on-one with these receivers. And if you're going to weigh like 177 or 181 or 185, um, you're going to put yourself in a bind here. If you're facing a receiver that is just more physically built than you from the jump again. So for that reason, that concerns me a little bit. Again, not all these guys got to weigh 200 plus pounds, but you need more than one. And you certainly need at least a couple of your main rotational pieces to be close to that number. The final negative takeaway that I have from this fall roster that got released on Sunday night. Tashaun Wanamaker, he could be the starting right tackle for South Carolina this fall. He is down to 290 pounds. That is a 20-pound loss from the spring. You heard me correctly. He has gone from 310 pounds a few months ago to now he weighs 290 pounds. This is by far the biggest outlier on the entire offensive line to this point. Because Wanamaker is the only scholarship lineman to lose more than 5 pounds since the spring. Now, the first thing I will say is this. I really hope that there's nothing serious going on with Tasha Wanamaker's health. Because, again, 20 pounds, it's not maybe a really stark difference. Maybe it'd be a little bit more worrisome if it was like 25, 30 plus. But nonetheless, it is quite stark. The loss of weight that he has had compared to what some of his fellow offensive line teammates have done this summer. So I really hope that it's nothing that is a health complication. Let's get that out of the way first and foremost. Most important thing. Now, if there's nothing going on with his health. If it is just Wanamaker lost 20 pounds the last couple months, that's going to be a problem facing edge rushers in the SEC, especially in rush defense when you're facing a guy that's technically sound and got a good base of power and strength. Now, there is one possible theory that you could have here with Wanamaker losing 20 pounds. Maybe, just maybe, Lonnie Teasley, the Gamecocks offensive line coach, and the entire offensive coaching staff, maybe they feel like Wanamaker is better served playing at a lesser or lower weight because it will help him move a little bit quicker. I will admit this, not to try to single him out because he certainly was not the only one, but back in the spring game in April, Wanamaker struggled mightily in pass protection. I mean mightily. And I'm not going to sit there and say that the reason for that was because apparently at the time he weighed 310 pounds. It's not just that simple just to drop weight and all of a sudden now you're just phenomenal in pass pro. It does not work that way. I understand that. However, losing 20 pounds, that is significant for an offensive lineman. And so if he maybe has a bit of an extra pep to his step when he's going back in pass pro, 
and he's got to weigh 290 to be able to get himself in better position to help out Spencer Rattler and the rest of these quarterbacks in pass pro, so be it. Then he should play at that weight. However, if that's not the case, and if it's not a health concern, which again, really hope that's not the case, then Waterbaker, he's got to add some weight back. Again, does he have to be like maybe 320 plus? No, he does not have to be at that kind of weight. But he can't be 290. I mean, that that's going to hurt him long term, in my opinion at least, if that's the weight he sticks at when the Gamecocks play this 2023 football season. One quick reminder before we head on for today. South Carolina 2024 safety target Malcolm Ziegler, he is announcing his commitment Later today at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, he is down to eight schools. Those schools are South Carolina, North Carolina, Notre Dame, Clemson, East Carolina, Kentucky, App State, and Penn State. I don't have a really solid clue of where he's leaning, to be completely honest with all of you. South Carolina could maybe land him. North Carolina could maybe land him. Who knows? Maybe another team could surprise me here. I don't know where he's going to land. Point being, he is committing at 1 p.m. Eastern Time later this afternoon, so be sure to keep your eyes peeled for that, and if the Gamecocks land him, I will certainly have a reaction show to talk about Malcolm Ziegler, the prospect. But with that being said, that does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast. What are your thoughts on the Lenore Sellers? Do you think that he compares favorably to Cam Noon? Do you think he could be Cam Noon 2.0 at South Carolina? And then what are your thoughts on some of the takeaways that I had from the fall roster? Do you think I was right on the majority of them, or do you think I badly missed on some of them? No matter what you think, let me know down below in the comments section, or should we direct message on Twitter at A-Lion underscore SC. But once again, thank you so much for tuning in to today's show. Have a great rest of your Monday and a fantastic start to the work week. I'll be sure to catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks Podcast.